Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So, let me ask you a question. Have you ever spent enough time daydreaming to get a clear idea of your most incredible life? Not per se as a measuring stick, like the most incredible life, but to to really ponder what would a wonderful, fabulous, exciting, what, I don't want to put too many words to it because I might be dragging you away from your words, but the idea of the perfect life for you. Have you, have you spent time daydreaming what that might look like? You know, I, I, I think we are at such a wonderful time in our human history. Wait, wait, what? Didn't we just come out of the most gigantic train wreck, 2020? And, you know, how can it be a fantastic time? Well, in a sense, we... We lost the sense of normal. The 2019 sense of normal is like poof gone. You know, speaking of dreaming, um, I remember uh, growing up as a kid in a small town in Utah, and I might be six, seven, eight years old and wake up in the morning and not tell a soul and walk out the unlocked front door that was left open all night, go up to my friend's house and maybe ride with his brother 150 miles to their cousin's house and go horseback riding and come back at the dark of night and walk in and nobody blinked an eye. The idea of leaving the door open, the idea of not being afraid that your kid has been gone for up teen hours and you have no clue where they are and there's not a single concern in your head. I say this because I think people are hungry. Um and I'm I'm excited for tonight's episode. The topic tonight is advanced dream avenues and the unconscious. And our guest tonight is Stase Michaels. We're going to bring her on in just a minute, but let's go back to this this dreaming thing for a minute. Imagine the context of great suffering. Um, the slaves of Egypt, um, dear God, this sucks, get us the hell out of this. Um, World War II, the, um, the, there's, there's just countless examples of extreme suffering. Imagine our ancestors dreaming, hoping, desiring, a more peaceful life, a more prosperous life, a more abundant life, uh, 
a happy community, a happy tribe, a happy village. So if you were to daydream, I've, I've done this, and, and sometimes I get off on tangents. Imagine that. Imagine if everything that we put our attention on now is gone, like uh, uh, money, paying the bills, paying mortgage, doing our taxes. Um, in a way, it attaches us to really mundane things as far as um, what might fulfill our heart and our soul. Imagine you get up in the morning. I like this one. Uh, this, <clears throat> You get up in the morning and there's a gigantic roll of paper, like perhaps at the newspaper factory. Gigantic roll. And, and you get up in the morning and you pull the sheet out across the desk and you've got this blank canvas, this huge sheet of paper. And you you kind of tune in to your higher mind. You tune in to your heart. You tune in to kind of the deepest desires of what your soul would like to experience on planet. And maybe in that morning you draw a big campus with buildings and pathways and stadiums and and you capture the inspiration of the morning, perhaps lingering from the dream the night before, and and there's a trust. See, I'm not talking about how, I'm not talking about money, I'm not talking about anything. It's just you and an idea. And you capture that idea and you write it down on paper, no matter what the idea is. And you have you have absolute certainty that no matter what it is, it will be fulfilled. Ask and it is given. See, there's a huge void right now in, in the collective. Our normal is pretty much gone. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of tug of war looking for the new normal. There's a lot of push and pull in the in the media streams to tell us what we should be worried about and where we should put our attention. But let's not forget that void of normal. Maybe your life has been turned upside down. Maybe you're looking for a new normal. Maybe you're not quite sure what to expect in the future. You're not quite sure. I mean, how many lives got turned on their head in 2020, 2021? How do you you set the rudder? How do you raise the sail and set off with confidence if, if there's this karmic tsunami playing out in the collective? Well, it starts off with an idea. Part of what makes us so powerful as human personas is... In this moment right now, poof, you can have an idea that changes the tension of the rest of your life. And those poof moments could be now or now or now or now forever. So you're really not ever stuck. 
it's just training your your persona, your characteristics, your personality to be disciplined enough to harvest the visions of your dreams. Well, speaking of dreams, again, the topic tonight is advanced dream avenues and the unconscious. And again, our guest is Sase Michaels. Dream guidance is an amazing gift from the soul and a worthy topic in itself. That's why dream expert Stasse Michaels wrote eight dream books, including current bestsellers, A Little Bit of Dreams, and Nightmares, The Dark Side of Dreams and Dreaming. Stacy's going to share a few advanced parts of dreaming that will affect the soul journey here and now and through eternity. As we weave through successive lifetimes, this will include old and new views about dreaming, dream doorways into the superconscious one, and a big one, dreams is a powerful preparation for the afterlife. Whether you are a practiced dreamer or new to dreams, this will be an enchanting exploration of new dream paths of the soul. You can learn more about Stase at Interpret a Dream. I think we should get to it. Let's bring her on the show. Welcome to the show, Stasi. How wonderful to be here. So the topic, Advanced Dream Avenues and the Unconscious. I like to take the terms that we're going to use and and put some definition to them so our audience knows what we're talking about. The unconscious is what caught me because it's not the subconscious or the superconscious. How do you how do you relate the unconscious to the subconscious and perhaps the superconscious? Well, you know, I think in psychology and uh, even with my three degrees in psychology, I think from what I understand, some of these terms I use interchangeably and in different contexts, they mean kind of different things. The way that I look at it, the unconscious is kind of like our storage bank or a filing cabinet with our memories and experiences. And then the one step deeper, I might call it the subconscious, and that can be a source more of ideas and creativity and noticing our subliminal cues, our unspoken connections with others that's beyond words. And then we get to what the deepest level of the mind or awareness is, and I might call that the superconscious. Now, Freud's definition might be a little bit different, but that was 100 years ago. For me, the superconscious is all that connects you to life and your awareness of that. And that includes, for me, uh, who loves my focus on dreams and dreaming, it includes dreams that are actual communications or exchanges with animals, with trees, with nature. 
and dreams that connect you to world events, the future, even past lives, and all that's eternal or out there, including real dream communications with God and the angels. It's all there and it's all possible in the superconscious. And dreams kind of help us make all of those connections because dreams are a natural doorway to all of these deeper levels of the mind. So that's kind of how I look at it. Or one way to look at it, at least. Right. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, the... Um, the context it seems like most of us live from is our ego, so to speak, and our ego's got this uh, perhaps agenda, and I'm trying to do this, and I'm trying to do that, or I wish I could figure this out, I wish I could figure that out. When when we talk about a, a superconscious, or I might even say like a soul, um, aspect of ourselves that's not per se represented in our ego thoughts. Is there a, do, do you see that superconsciousness as a, like a planner, like actively engaged in our life? Because uh, the reason I ask this is, I mean, I've been uh, looking at human psychology my whole life, and our egos seem to be the lowest common denominator. <laughs> you know, our our heart and or soul might have an agenda for us. Like when my when I first got the impulse to write books, my ego sat there and argued with the rational thinking of writing books. And so I I just wonder what your perception is as far as I mean, some part of me inspired me to write a book, and I'm sure it wasn't my ego because my ego was arguing with the, the notion. When we look at the superconscious, is there a, a like a life purpose or a strategy or an agenda that's operating at that level? Well, I think that's a great question, and, and I can certainly relate to the push-pull that you felt about writing. And I know now with nine books behind me, the first one that I wrote, before I wrote it, you know, the first question I asked myself was, really, should I write a book? And I had this fabulous dream, because it was a book about dreams, and my ego was saying, well, okay, yeah, I'd love to write a dream, but uh, a dream book, but can I? And who would read it? And in a dream, Carl Jung actually appeared to me, and I believe it was actually him coming to me as a soul and spirit to communicate with me. And he's done that with other people who have written dream books. And in the dream, he and I were in this little stone building that he actually built, and he describes in one of his books as kind of a retreat place that he gave himself. And he showed me uh, how one of the windows opened up and that I should open that window and let a lot of the light in. So he was kind of blessing me and saying, you go, girl, you write that dream book. Now, of course, it didn't happen overnight. But when we come to the whole question of the ego, 
and the greater mind or the superconscious. This is how I kind of tease the terms out for myself. I look at the waking part of the mind, you know, as logic and what I would call the greater mind. These other things called the unconscious or the superconscious are not parts of ourselves that we're constantly in touch with, but when we're awake, the two parts are logic. And for me, logic is like the blind man's walking stick. We use it to grope in the dark, and we notice bumps in the road or anything that's out of place with this logic. But logic, like a blind man's walking stick, only sees a piece of the puzzle. He doesn't see the whole picture or how the pieces fit. But the greater mind, when we're awake, is the ability to see with the eyes of the soul and that we might call deeper parts of ourselves, you know, the unconscious or the superconscious. And I call it seeing with the eyes of the soul. And this greater mind lets you see everything and all the pieces and how they fit into the big picture. So logic kind of just shows us where we could trip or make mistakes. But the greater mind, the seeing with the soul, helps us see, ah, this is where we're headed, how things fit, how we fit into the big picture. And this greater mind is also that connection, whether it's through dreams or through our meditation or inner self, to these other parts of ourselves, the unconscious and the superconscious, that bring us these glimpses that go beyond the physical. And in dreams, that's communications with God or the angels and instant healings and ESP or psychic messages in dreams. And I give lots of examples in that in my books, including a dream guide. But for me, the more you notice this greater mind part of yourself, the more you can use it. And I think that's what, you know, you experience and that we all, all experience sometimes. We all use different words for it, but that's kind of how I wrap my head around it. Very nice. I like to put this kind of context to it so when we use terms throughout the conversation, there's a little more clarity to, for the audience to interpret what we're saying. Um, so let's delve into the notion of the dream itself. Now, you, you shared an example of uh, Carl Jung um, communicating with you and when my mother passed away, I had a dream that, and she came to calm the the worry and fret in her youngest boy's life because her, her death clobbered me. And what I'm getting at is here's, um, I guess I'd say external personas, my mom for you, Carl Young, um, and there's angels and whatnot. And, and yet there's the, uh, aspects of our own consciousness. When we look at the mechanics, so to speak, of a dream, um, how can we tell who is giving us these messages? Yeah. 
great question. Well, one answer is that, again, in the book, the, A Dream Guide, I actually kind of list and explain and show how to recognize 27 different kinds of dreams. And one of the big categories is dreams about death and dreams about people who have died. That's one of the categories, but another whole grouping is what I call dreams that aren't, are not really dreams. Some dreams I know from experience are actual experiences. They're true experiences that we experience as a dream because while we're asleep, dreams are our only vehicle of memory and our only connection between these parts of the mind and deeper parts of ourselves and our waking mind. So we remember these real experiences as a dream. And visits from the dead and their communications to us in a dream are often a true experience that we remember as a dream. And why do they happen while we sleep and remember them as a dream? Because when we're awake, we're so distracted with um, solving problems and living our lives. But when we're asleep, so many of our senses are then relaxed. And so we're able to connect more with someone who has passed on in our loved ones. So they're able to reach us more. So that's why I think those kinds of dreams that you and I have and that many people have, it's one of the common dreams that people send to me on my website where I do interpret a dream for free if anyone would like to try that out. And, and in that sense, I just think that it's one of the amazing features about dreams and dreaming. Now, the other part of your question is, so it goes back to how do we interpret a dream? And there's kind of, again, for someone who's been looking at dreams all of you know their lives, I'm looking at parts of that question. And one part of that question is, what does a dream mean? So that's about dream interpretation. And how do we find out what a dream means? Well, I can give you five steps. They're free on my website. You can look that up. And I explain that in just about every book that I write. Five easy steps to figure out what a dream means. Then there's another part to that question. Is why do we dream? The fact is, you know, we sleep for eight hours, but research shows that you only need one hour of sleep to refresh the body. So the whole why of dreaming, the rest of the sleep time is to balance the mind and the spirit. And where do dreams come into that? Well, dreams are that conversation that you're having with yourself, that bridge to your own soul and your spirit. You know, we know that we are the captain of our ship, but the soul is the owner. So while you sleep, you dream to stay connected to that soul part of yourself so that you have this guidance about your own soul journey and your own soul growth through eternity. So how do we know what a dream means and which ones are real and which ones are not? Well, we can spend about, well, at least five hours on that. (laughs) (laughs) 
But but I say the five easy steps are you look at the feeling. You know, if it makes you feel happy, if the dream makes you feel happy, there's probably a good message in there. If the dream makes you afraid or afraid or anxious, well, there's probably something that you need to look at or figure out. And then the next step is, what's the story all about? There's a theme to the story, or, or what I call the storyline. And that's kind of like stepping back and seeing the overall gist of the story. So a dream about climbing a mountain, but you keep kind of losing your grip and keep falling down the rope is kind of the story about how trying to get ahead or doing something is just hard to get a grip on doing it. So then you ask yourself, well, how do I apply that to life? So the question becomes, what in my life am I having a hard time getting a grip on or losing my grip on? And that then becomes probably what the dream is about. Then you look to the major symbols. Okay, what does holding on to a rope mean to me? And you remember, oh, when I was young, we had a swing in our backyard that was tied to this big rope. And I used to love to grab onto that rope and swing on the swing in my backyard. So it might be a message about saying, okay, am I taking this too seriously, what I'm trying to do to get ahead right now? Or should I just kind of relax and let myself play and like I did when I was young and maybe approach what I'm trying to do in a more playful manner? So that's how we kind of put the pieces together. And as I say, you can get lots of examples on my website for free. So those are just kind of initial steps on how to interpret a dream and also how to kind of differentiate that there's lots of different kinds of dreams, including dreams that are not dreams. They are real experiences. How does that sound? Now, that would make me um, think about the deja vu effect where... It's almost like you're you're skipping ahead in your own narrative or script in your dream and you go through an experience and then you go back in time, so to speak, wake up, and then at some point in the future, you have that deja vu experience. Is that what you're talking about? That's definitely one of them. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things that we do. We kind of, just like when we're awake using that blind man's walking stick, we're trying to figure out, you know, where we're going, how things can shape up, what could go wrong. When Even when we're asleep, we're doing the same thing. We're trying to figure out, okay, how is this going to work out? What comes next? And we get glimpses of that. We actually get glimpses of, okay, um, tomorrow or in one week or one month or one year, I'm going to meet so-and-so or I'm going to be in this situation and look out for this, watch for this. So then when that time comes, something kind of clicks and we say, oh, this seems familiar, this seems familiar. In fact, I remember at one point when I was in college, I was looking for a roommate to share an apartment and I remember dreaming exactly uh, my roommate's face. Um, you know, so 
so it was kind of a surprise to me at that time. I was still learning about dreams, that dreams can do that. It's exactly that deja vu effect because we're kind of trying to, to say, okay, what's around the corner? And dreams show us that too. So even if you forget the dream, you may not remember the dream, but you remember this kind of leftovers, that deja vu effect, and sometimes even feelings as you're waking up. You may not remember the dream, but the feelings are a leftover effect. So if you're feeling happy, the dream is saying, okay, I'm doing something good, stay on track. Or if you're feeling kind of blue or sad, the you know, the leftovers might be saying, hey, you might want to rethink whatever you're doing or something that makes you unhappy and see what you can change there. Nice. Well, um, so if we want to start harvesting, so to speak, uh, start being more intentional, more conscious, um, with our dreaming, not only our dreams, but even before we start to dream, how can we um, visualize the resources of dreams? I mean, we, we've talked about deja vu. We've talked about insights. Um, what I'm getting at is if I'm a listener and I, I've never really paid much attention to dreams, um, how can I how can I use them in my life? And I know you've made uh, uh, you've answered that in some ways, but um, what kind of an attitude should we approach our dreams with? Well, number one is to understand that um, our attention and is kind of like a flashlight. Wherever we shine it is where our mind is going to go and our attention is going to go. So using your dreams can be something like shining a flashlight. If you're interested in dreams, your attention will go there and you'll begin to remember your dreams and your own psyche, your own mind and inner self will begin to show you and teach you how to understand your own dreams. But at the same time, if you haven't done that before, um, it probably means that you may not be all that interested in using dreams as a tool to get information or insights or hints about yourself and others and life. If you want to try it out, two things that you do is, first of all, you can tell yourself, as you go to sleep, I want to remember my dreams. That's like shining the flashlight and saying, okay, let's try this focus and see what happens. And the second thing that can really kind of motivate you and open the door as kind of an interesting experiment or something to try out is dreams answer and focus on whatever's on your mind. So take a question something that you'd really like to know the answer to that you don't know the answer to. It could be something small like, okay, um, what's the best haircut I could get that would make me look fabulous? Or 
could be something really important like, okay, um, I'd like to progress in my job or in my work. What's the next thing that I can do? Or what's the good things I can do? Or it can be about a relationship. Whatever it is, ask the question in a simple way. And by a simple way, I mean like a yes or a no question. If you could answer it with a yes or a no, like, is it a good time to buy a new house? Yes or no. Is it a good time to change jobs? Yes or no. And if you really want the answer and you ask that question, you're highly likely then to remember a dream because dreams will give you whatever answer that you need. Now, let me then, if you, if it's okay, I'd like to kind of segue into how our understanding of dreams has come such a long way, kind of like the old versus new way of looking at dreams and understanding dreams. Nice. Long ago, you know, I say long ago, that could be 50 years ago and even 100 years ago when Freud started to look at dreams. First of all, we look at we looked at the psyche, which is our inner manager, some call it the inner voice. It felt to us like a stranger that was talking to us from a distance. But now we've come to see that the psyche, our inner voice, is more like a best friend who shares everything that we think and that we feel. And that is our connection to dreams, no longer a stranger. Now, in the past, when we watched a dream, it felt as if we had no control over what was going on. It was a passive experience. We just kind of sat there and watched or, or slept and watched. Now we see it differently. Now we know that we are active participants in the dreaming process. A dream doesn't just happen. Everything that we think and we feel interacts with our waking mind and our sleeping mind and determines the content of the, our dreams. As a matter of fact, that's why you can ask a question. We can deliberately use this internet interactive dynamic, a way of interacting with our sleeping mind to ask a question and get a dream answer on any topic. And, and also, when it comes to symbols, in the past we thought that Symbols and dreams were random and they weren't logical. They were all very strange. And they could still seem strange to some people, but now we're, we have come to see that the psyche actually selects symbols with great care from among your personal memories, your kind of file cabinet, so that it can transmit a very specific and precise message. Not, it's nothing random going on there, it's very precise. So, in the past we thought dreams were unpredictable and spontaneous. Now we see that dreams are actually a very predictable response to our, our daily concerns. We no longer have to work backwards to understand the dream, which is what Freud did. Freud's method still works, but now we know two things that you can do to see what your dream is about. One is, as you're going to sleep, just begin to notice what's on your mind as you're going to sleep. That's 
to show you the topics of your dreams. The other thing is what I've mentioned is you can ask a question directly. And if you're new to it, you want to ask a very simple question, a yes-no question. And that works because dreams relate to whatever is on your mind already and whatever is important to you. So dreams are this interactive process with your own mind. And you can use that now. Very nice. Well, if it's interactive, is there aspects of that interaction that, um, like for example, say I have an addiction, smoking, drinking, whatever, and when I'm awake in my ego, I might try to quit and have no success. And uh, if there's an interaction in our dreams, can I, like, quote, get work done, unquote? In other words, can I, I don't know, change my demeanor or change my tendencies or propensities within a dream? Absolutely. Yeah, and there's, you know, of the 27 kinds of dreams, there's two kinds of dreams that would address that kind of a thing. Okay, in a way, all dreams are an invitation to change, usually in a small way. That could be a change in attitude or um, a change in the way we see something or someone or ourselves uh, or an inspiration, things like that. But two specific kinds of dreams that kind of address something that we'd like to consciously and directly change. One is a practice dream. Now, a practice dream can happen accidentally or it's something that you can address and say, okay, I'd like to practice public speaking in dreams. I'm shy. I'd like to get better at speaking. Or you can say, well, you know, what if, um, what if someone wants to uh, develop their artistic talent, you know, can dreams help you or help you find ideas? Absolutely. One example, one fantastic example that is in that in one of my dream books, a dream guide, is a young woman uh, who she was married and had a couple of children. She was happily married. Um, she had a good life and she she had a career as well and she was quite you know uh, had a full life and a good life. And then she also noticed, okay, coming towards, uh, into her early 30s, that she had gained, you know, 10, 15 pounds, and she still liked her appearance, but always felt like she wanted to get a little bit healthier and wondered how she could do it. She was a smoker. So every now and then she'd think, oh, maybe I should quit smoking, but if I quit smoking... They say that you gain some weight, so then I'll gain some more weight, and I don't want to gain some weight. So she kept kind of thinking about losing smoking on and off, and never quite quite did it. She began to have these dreams every two or three nights. She began to dream that she was running in the forest, 
in a beautiful forest in the summertime, and she loved it. And she was naked as she ran, and it felt very natural, and it felt very good. It didn't feel something, you know, that people would shake their heads about. So it felt very natural, and as she ran, she would breathe in this wonderful fresh air, and then a voice would begin to say, this is how a non-smoker feels. And it felt really, really good. So she began to have this dream every few days. And she didn't immediately say to herself, well, I should quit smoking. But as the months went by, she kept having these dreams. She began to say, ah, oh, you know what? Maybe I will quit smoking. It really does feel wonderful to breathe in all that fresh air. So then, you know, eight months and a year later, as these dreams kept happening, a day came along when she said, okay, I'm going to quit smoking today. And everyone said, oh, that's going to be very hard to do. It's going to be so hard to do. You know what? She quit smoking immediately, just on the day that she decided, and it felt easy. She was just able to do it. And why? It is normally very hard to quit smoking, as anyone who has quit smoking can, can say and can tell you. But for her it was easy because she had all these practice dreams. All these dreams helped her to build this inner energy to align her thinking with her feelings, with her thoughts, and give her the energy that she needs as a running start to stop smoking. And I've also um, had dreams of people who had stopped using drugs and how they would have these dreams where suddenly in the dream they're, they're tempted to go back to drugs. And in the dream, there would be that push-pull. And the dream would help them get that energy and that kind of foothold again to keep working with it and keep where they had the gains that they had made. So yes, dreams definitely help us. Now the other kind of dream that I would mention is what's very popular nowadays is called a lucid dream. Dreams go through fashions and lucid dreams have come back into fashion. They were um, they were something that people were very interested in 20 years ago, and now people have renewed that interest. Now, a lucid dream is when you are dreaming and suddenly you realize that you are dreaming. So in the dream, you're both kind of asleep and awake at the same time. And it's kind of an amazing place to be. Now. In some dream books, people will explain that, okay, as you have a lucid dream, suddenly you can see yourself flying, you can tell yourself, let's do this and let's do that, and it's very fun and amazing to do. All of that is true, but the Tibetans were the ones who first kind of showed us about lucid dreams and lucid dreaming, and they talk about 
levels of a lucid dream and that what you're really trying to do in a lucid dream is to look for the light. Now, often what happens in a lucid dream is that there's a bad guy or something very frightening or scary. And in the lucid dream, uh, that bad guy or that very scary thing or experience that leaves you shaking is often whatever you're trying to change or work with or whatever is making you afraid. And if you run from it, you kind of don't make any progress. But if you can approach that scary person or experience that leaves you very fearful and try to extend love to it or some friendship to it, even with a simple question like, who are you, or why are you here, or what do you want, but extending with love and caring, that scary person or object or experience often turns into something that's not scary at all anymore. It becomes friendly, like uh, a monster suddenly becomes your own face in the mirror. And suddenly you see a different side of yourself. And you see that was only your own fear standing in your own way. Now, if you can do that in a lucid dream, it's almost like having five therapy sessions in one. (laughs) And you make this leap within yourself psychologically and emotionally. You take this giant leap and you lose this fear or you lose this, you get past whatever experience or wall was holding you back. So that's like one great level of lucid dreaming that allows for these instant and much faster changes to happen. The other level of lucid dreaming is what what the Tibetans say is look for the light. Usually in a lucid dream there's a point of light somewhere. And it's different in every dream. It could be uh, a lamplight or a candlelight or just a little light that you see in the distance or through a window. And the whole idea is to keep that balance of knowing that you're awake, so you're still awake, but that you're also sleeping so that you're kind of staying very calm. If you get very excited, you'll probably wake yourself up. If you stay very calm and just go towards the light of the Tibetans say, and I think it's true and I've experienced it, other people have experienced it. When you get to the light, it becomes a, a very deep soul experience or even an experience with the light as the light of God and the deity that can become like an instant revelation or a healing or, or soul transformation or change. That's pretty incredible. So, yeah, to answer your question, <laughs> in many different ways, um, dreams can certainly be a vehicle for change in different ways. And those are just kind of two examples. Very nice. I like the idea of... Uh 
in the lucid dream there's a, a portal or whatever uh, that's represented with light and well I like that you know um, I think Freud and Jung would have been totally fascinated to be on the planet during 2020 and 2021 because so much of our subconscious was kind of rototillered, kind of flipped over. Many, many people bumped up against their uh, uh, repressed feelings or whatnot. Um, my question is, does the collective consciousness uh, influence our dreams without going through our ego? I mean, because the collective consciousness is pretty much everybody as a collective. And uh, I'm just wondering what your perception is as far as what's happened in the last two years. How does the collective consciousness influence our dreams? Oh, yeah, yeah, I love that. That's a question that fascinated me for many years as well. Well, these last two years have certainly been kind of a time for reflection for all of us because we've had the time to reflect in a very new way. And one of the fascinating types of dreams of the 27 types is what I call world event dreams. And these past two years are great examples of that where um, we are not only connected to each other when we're awake, but when we're asleep, as you say, we're connected to each other in this kind of collective unconscious, or Carl Jung used to call it the collective unconscious. But I don't think it's unconscious anymore. I think that we're more and more aware in this global village of how closely we are all connected, especially nowadays with the internet and with TV that instantly connects us around the world. So our connections are more instant and closer than they've ever been, and we're kind of becoming more and more aware of that. I think, you know, the ego can be something that you know, we define as part of our waking self. And it's not necessarily something that gets in the way. It's not necessarily a wall or a barrier. Ego can be a very good thing that helps us be confident and to be strong and to know who we are and to define who we are. And as long as, you know, our ego is geared to not only helping ourselves, but thinking of others and helping others as well, it's not a barrier. It's a good thing. So ego doesn't have to be a wall. And ego doesn't have to get in the way of being in touch with our deeper self and our greater mind. But in dreams, these world event dreams really do connect us. Um, I've had... I first learned about the pandemic in November of 2019 before it was on our radar as a country. Because I had a dream. I had a dream, and someone was 
telling me that something terrible was going to happen and and they were saying, oh no, oh no, oh no. And I didn't know what it meant at that time, but they were talking about how the whole world was going to be affected. To me, that was a heads up for me that a pandemic was coming. And I'm not telling you the exact dream, but the exact dream showed me that it really was all about the pandemic because it was about health and how everyone was affected by health. So that was kind of a, a powerful level of that. So we definitely, as we kind of started to say, dreams focus on whatever is important to us. And sometimes th things that are important to us are what connect us to the world, not just to our local community. And um, I've seen that in a dream group where we have once, as in a dream group, we were about eight or nine people. And every week we have dreams and we really understand how they connected to our different lives and it was so fun. And then one week came along where we all had these dreams about killing and violence and bombs going off. We had no idea what the dream about. None of us could relate to any of those kinds of activities or themes in our lives. And within a couple of weeks, it turned out that our dreams were about this world event where there were bombs going off and there was violence that happened about two weeks later as a world event. We all collectively, we all had dreams about it at the same time. And I describe that in one of my books as a world event dream. So, but let me, let me bring up another whole thought, okay? Sure. As an, another advanced idea, because those are kind of advanced ideas about how dreams connect us to the world and to our greater minds and to the superconscious and our collective consciousness. And I love that. But let's kind of look at another very advanced dream for you know, one question is about how do we interpret dreams? And that, you know, whether it's my books or other people's books, there are lots of books on how to interpret a dream. But for me, another fascinating question is, why do we dream? And again, that's another question that I, I thought about for many years. And the answer came to me through some of the readings of Edgar Cayce. If you've heard of Edgar Cayce, he's known as the famous sleeping prophet of Virginia Beach. And for years, he was able to go into a sleep state and get this information from the collective unconscious and the superconscious and way beyond. And we have seen that a lot of the information he gave which was about health, has come to pass. He was right on about that. And many of us think that many of his observations were, are, were and are quite act, accurate. One of the things that he said about dreams, dreams and dreaming, is that it's one of the best tools to prepare ourselves for the afterlife. So for those of us who believe in reincarnation and the afterlife, 
and that the fact that we might live many lifetimes is incumbent on us and it could be a very good thing to look at using dreams now how do dreams help us to prepare for our next level of life here's what i've come to see as casey disbinded and as i've looked at it it's because in the next level of life after we die we focus on as a learning experience on how our thoughts shape us and shape our lives and who we become. And right now, we do that also, but it's hard for us to see how our thoughts connect to our lives and how our thoughts shape us in our lives. Now, that's where dreams come in. Supposing, in a very real sense, we look at dreams as a picture of our daily thoughts, our choices, and our feelings. And I think that that's actually true. Dreams are a soul picture and how the soul and the psyche play that back to us to show us what our choices and feelings look like as a story so that we can understand what we're doing. Okay, so again, let me say that again. One way we can look at dreams is as if dreams are a nightly rewind and replay of our experience as stories to get to know ourselves from kind of one brick at a time as we build our lives. And each thought that we have, each feeling that we have, each choice that we make is like a brick that creates our lives. And dreams show us these bricks, how we're building them, and how they affect us. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so kind of we're right now in grade school or high school about understanding ourselves and how we shape our lives with our thoughts and feelings and our goals and decisions and choices. But when we use our dreams, it kind of parallels what we're going to do somewhat in the hereafter. So if we use our dreams now, we might be able to skip a grade or two after we die and now we're in our next level of life and that doesn't scare me. And then we'll jump into college and see how our thoughts and feelings and choices shape who we are. Now, hope I didn't lose anybody. Does that actually make any sense? Sure, absolutely. But you know, Time can fly when you're having fun. Um, I want to make sure the audience knows about your website, your books, any services that you have. Can you share that information with us now? I am so happy to do that. Um, You can find any of my books on Amazon, and some of them are in other booksellers, you know, Barnes & Noble or wherever. And I have a website. You can find it under sasamichaelsmyname.com or interpretadream.com. Either one of those will get you there. If you just put Sasa Michaels into Google, you might find me somewhere. Uh, the website, 
what I do on the website is I give out a lot of free information, including how to interpret your dreams, um, the five steps that I encourage people to try to, inter- to use to interpret their dreams. And I give, there's a dream library of dreams by topic, and you can see what certain dreams mean about animals or about death and dying or about love and relationships. And on the website, you'll also see a connection to um, Instagram or TikTok or YouTube. I have a few videos on YouTube about dreams. So all of that is for fun and just to get the information out there. So you can you can send me a dream anytime. I actually love to hear people's dreams, and, and I do interpret them at no charge. Well, very nice. Um, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I have very much enjoyed this conversation about dreams. Thank you, Les. It's such a pleasure. And I really love dreams, and anything that helps people to look at their own dreams and see how useful they can be for themselves gives me such joy. So thank you for the opportunity, and I love speaking with you. Very nice. We've been talking with Stasse Michaels, and the topic tonight has been Advanced Dream Avenues and the Unconscious. I really like the idea that dreams have a different perspective, a different understanding, even um, a point of view, perhaps. It's such a curious time in our human narrative that so much outside of us seems chaotic and unpredictable that Dreams can be uh, a resource that might not have been as prominently uh, valuable in 2019 when things were rather static and predictable. But it seems like the more predictability <laughs> gets turned on its head, it's uh, it's nice to put a few more tools in our toolbox. Well, what an exciting time to be alive. I think uh, although it's chaotic and there's a lot of upheaval, I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited for these next chapters of our human story. I think some really remarkable um, changes in our in our human narrative are going to come about. And to watch that unfold, I think, is is really something special. It's, you know, no matter how you look at it, we're living in most incredible times. Well, I want to thank you, the listener. You've shown up for yourself. I appreciate that. You can go to blogtalkradio.com slash newhumanliving and um, sign up for our shows, and you'll get uh, notifications of the upcoming shows so you can write in your uh, email box and then at newhumanliving.com we're going to be starting up some online classes and I'm really excited about that if you've followed us on the show here we've really uh, well I'm I'm fascinated by the power 
the power of the human persona, the power of the human genome. You have a persona, I have a persona, and I think we're going to see really remarkable um, people who who take that that uh, who they are, if you will, and grow it into something that perhaps was not very common in our in the history of humanity. So, quite exciting times. I'm your host, Les Jensen. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. It's always my pleasure to bring you shows like this. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.